0: this is mark arnold and welcome to fun ideas podcast number 138 this episode is sponsored by the fine folks at lee's comics from high atop the stately lee's comics mansion we bring you the lee's comics radio hour with tonight's special guests spider-man superman batman serbus the aardvark and yours truly wally fields friends have you tried lee's comics lee's comics is better than the leading comic book store wait a minute Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store, based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale. For half off, choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern-age comics and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay, click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Dennis the Menace, originally a comic trick panel introduced in
1: 1951, expanded into a comic book series, an American television series starring Jay North, an animated television series, and subsequent television series, books, and feature films. There's even a chapter on the British version of Dennis the Menace and Dennis' long-time association with Derek Green and his playground. Pocketful Full of Dennis the Minutes by Mark Arnold and fun I Did Productions explores the entire history of Dennis the Menace and is available now on Amazon and Sarah Manor Media in
0: hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, a timeline of the Monkey solo years, covers the solo half. Who knew the Monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, Who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover. And this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <coughs> Get headquartered. A timeline of the Monkey Solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearMannerMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. You can order the TTB Scrapbook today at BearMannerMedia.com. Currently, it is available in hardcover but will be available in paperback and ebook soon. Also, it will be available on Amazon and other online platforms soon. I'm currently working on a Popeye article and a Dino Writer's article for Back Issue magazine. And, of course, I'm still working on my Mad in Turtles books. On today's show, we have a Beatles author, fan, and regular Beatle fan writer. Here she is, Kit
2: O'Toole. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast, and today I have a writer who's a big fan of the Beatles, Michael Jackson, and I'm sure some other music and other things, <laughs> and it's Kit O'Toole. Thank you very much for being on the show. Yay. Hi, Mark. Thank you so
1: much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
2: Thank you. Um, so how I usually start off, I just kind of say... Tell me a little bit about yourself, and in your case, because you become a writer, I guess how you became a Beatles fan and how you became a writer.
1: Well, gosh, I've I, I've been interested in writing like as as long as I can remember. I mean, from when I when I was a kid, um, mm. and uh, and I just it's just something that you know, came very naturally to me. I was the editor of my school paper in high school. I was writing for, um, in uh, college, I wrote for a now defunct um, music paper. It was one of those ones that was free that, that you could pick up, you know, that was like in, you know, stands and music stores and, you know, record stores, and I'll showcase Chicago, where I got to interview local bands. Um, and I've been a, a music fan for you know also as long as I can remember I was lucky <clears throat> excuse me enough to be raised in a house where my my dad um played uh drums guitar bass uh and saxophone mm-hmm. and so if uh, not professionally but but uh and uh, he so if I wasn't listening to music being played on the stereo he was playing it in the house you know mm-hmm. and and uh listened to everything from jazz to rock the country i mean it was a bit of everything so uh you know so i grew up with that uh and um you know my first album non-kitty album i ever owned was uh, stevie wonder's songs in the cube life mm-hmm. and that that set me on my way and i I, you know, discovered quotes, the Beatles. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, uh, this would have been like 1985. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a second generation fan. Uh, I had certainly heard of them before that point and dad played a bit of their music. But, you know, of course, I was, you know, in eighth grade. You know, that wasn't cool to, to <laughs> like stuff that, you know, <laughs> parents liked. But, uh, but somebody brought in, uh, a cassette of the 20, you know, the 20 greatest hits, which was, you know, the pre one right. <laughs> the collection. And I'll never forget it. It was in chorus class. And on Fridays, we could bring in, you know, an album and play it for the class. Of course, I didn't know that that was the chorus teacher just taking the day off. <laughs> But it was, you know, him saying, oh, cheer. we're all going to share our music, our favorite music with each other. And this uh, student brought in the 20 Greatest Hits album, and Eight Days a Week came on. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, that I had never heard before. Mm-hmm. And I just like, what is that? You know, it just sounded like nothing else uh, that was on the radio at the time. And that piqued my interest. And so after that, I had to go and I got that album. And that started it, you know, and, uh, and so then I just got more and more interested. And, uh, you know, and I just uh, kept researching them and and writing about them. And, uh, but, I didn't intend for this to be my career to write about music and everything. I mean, that was, you know, I never thought I could do it. But then when, you know, technology changed and blogging became a thing and then, you know, more sites came along where you could do online writing, self-publishing came along, that changed the whole game. And so now I'm getting to you know combine my, my hobby mm-hmm. with my job mm-hmm. it doesn't get better than that
2: cool. now yeah. uh let's mark for... oh, oh did oh do you hear me yeah, yeah i can hear you it's, it's like, like it's a little uh, grainy on the, the connection okay. right at the moment now that's okay so if, oh, okay. If I had okay. To now you're good. At, you know, but I try to keep it light here. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, now, where I first heard about you, I didn't know who you are. Was in Beatles fan, um, and I don't even remember yeah. what year you started. But if you became a Beatles, if you became a Beatles fan in '85, it was probably after I started subscribing to it, which was around '83. So mm-hmm. I just saw your name. I didn't know who you were. I just saw your name pop up, and you're pretty much. Not every issue, but pretty frequently. Is that correct?
1: Uh, actually, I started writing for them in, I think it was like 90, gosh, 95, 96, something like that. They were looking for a columnist to write about Beatles websites, because mm. in the mid 90s, they were just starting to pop up. I mean, this was like the new thing, you know, mm. and um, Bill King uh, you know, the editor-in-chief, yeah. uh, put, uh, put out, uh, I think it was in his probably letter from the editor, or letter from the publisher's uh, 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 column, and said, you know, I'm, we're looking for somebody to cover Beatles' websites, because they were just, you know, popping up everywhere at the time, and so I was, I think I was probably working on, I uh, was just starting working on my doctorate at the time, and yeah. I thought, you know, hey, this is something I could do in my spare time. Because I was, you know, it was pretty heavy work I was doing. Uh, you know, I was working on my English um, degree at the time. And I'm like, boy, I could use an outlet. <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty heavy stuff. So I thought, you know, this could be really fun. And I'm just really getting into the Internet now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, you know, maybe I'll try out for this. So I did. Mm-hmm. and uh and to my delight i got the gig uh, and i'm doing still doing it now okay. is that what the, you usually
2: write about then is websites yeah. no okay.
1: i've done other stuff
2: too oh, okay that's what uh, i thought you know it's like yep. but i don't really you know there's so many names i know you know yep. can't exactly. even them oh, all yeah. off. and so but i just know i see your name in fact it's on the masthead i think all the time yes. so it's like, yep, yep
1: it's in the masthead and mm-hmm. uh, and i've written about other stuff too i've done big Uh, articles I did uh, did one on uh, uh, the making of help I've done um, you know I've done a number of I did one on I've done stuff on on Paul I've done you know a lot of music uh, articles and uh, and so but I do my regular column is is that and I've been doing it ever since the mid-90s and it's been really (laughs) cool yeah a long time and it's been really cool because I've seen you know I've gotten a front row seat to the growth of, of the internet doing hmm. this. I mean, you know, when I first started, I mean, the, the sites were really, like, all text, yeah. you know, really primitive. Um, you know, Steve Marinucci's uh, first site, uh, hmm. at the Abbey Road page was, I mean, that was, like, the biggest site uh, when I first started. And, um, you know, and then when George Harrison really updated his page and, you know, for the uh, All Things Must Pass, uh, remastering the first one um, mm-hmm. in 2000. Um, that was a big deal because, I mean, he really used, you know, some, some impressive animation and everything on his site, which today may not seem like a big, big deal, but in 2000, you know, yeah. it was really a, a leap forward. So uh, it's, it's really been cool to, to watch all this and, mm-hmm. and chronicle it in my column. So uh, So, yep, I've been with them a long time.
2: Um, now who had of the Beatles? I don't even remember, and if I looked it up, obviously it didn't, but which of the Beatles had a website first?
1: You know, thats boy, that's a really good question. Oh, I'm. And you know I don't remember precisely which one, but I can tell you that um, probably Ringo yeah. was the first one who really made good use of it. You know, because he would put up a lot of videos, right. like where he would speak to the fans and all. He, in my opinion, he was really the first one that got the power of the internet. You know, as yeah. he was doing that a lot, and none of the, you know, um, uh, Paul wasn't doing that. Um, John's estate wasn't doing anything like that. Um, you know, George. Now, as I said, in two thousand. You know, George's, uh, George finally got with the program and, and started with the animation um, to promote All Things Must Pass. But Ringo really caught on early mm-hmm. that, hey, I can really do some publicity with the net. Maybe I should put up these little short videos where I talk directly to the camera. And again, today, you know, it's no big deal. Right. But in the late 90s, you know, that was pretty forward thinking for him.
2: And if I remember correctly, I think um, he and maybe even a couple of the others um, had sites prior to a, an actual official Beatles site. Like, I don't think there was an official Beatles site until the anthology, or it might have even been later than that, if I remember correctly.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, there may have been, I'm trying to remember if there was one before, you know, even like anthology. And if there was, it wasn't much. Right, I mean right. it it's yeah, I mean, as I said, I think for a long time and and John Lennon's site was terrible for a long time, I mean, it really was, i <laughs> mean it was it was. Sorry, <laughs> I mean yeah and I, I'm sorry to say yeah. and it was kind of surprising because you would think Yoko would be on board with with yeah. that with, you know with the new technology but it was just you know really boring really basic and I just thought you know wow don't they see the the potential but you know I mean in a way you know the, the they were drag kicking and screaming into streaming media right. I mean right. look at that
2: I mean so I remember uh, this you, I, I think a lot of people didn't know how to deal with it. I remember when uh, Weird Al, he had a website by this point, point, yes. and then uh, everybody convinced him to get a MySpace page. It shows you how long ago this was. And uh, he wrote something. He says, well, I have a MySpace page now because you know what I like is redundancy. <laughs> and it's like... Thinking back on it, it's like, yeah, that, you know, I really, I agreed with them at the time, but now it's like people do it all the time, you know, they have a website, like I'm sure that's why I asked is, I think the solo site started before the Beatles site because probably they thought, we don't need a group site, we're already famous, you know, and we're not really putting out new material as it were, and, um, (laughs) and, um, you know, it's like, well, Capital is taking care of that or Parlophone or whichever country you're in. We don't have to worry about this. And then they said, hmm, maybe we should take care of this.
1: Exactly. And I'll tell you, you know, for all the years I've been doing this, I mean, there have been fans, particularly in the earlier years, that have done better websites mm-hmm. yeah. than than the official ones. I mean, there have been some really impressive sites that, that fans have put together and about, like, very specific you know, subjects, uh, you know, one about like the Beatles finances. I mean, right. there's there one like that, you know, mm. and, uh, but I mean, really interesting stuff um, and others dedicated to, you know, labels, uh, label variations from different countries and, you know, things like that. And, uh, you know, it's it been stuff that the main, you know, the official Beatles site, you know, wouldn't touch it, and some of it was disappointing because, like, I I noticed some of the the descriptions on the Beale site they just take from Wikipedia, and I just right. like what? <laughs> I mean, again, I've seen some better stuff on. I mean, you know, more care taken from on fan sites. So it's mm. it's just been really you know interesting to see the growth of mm. of that, and to see that Apple um, and the individual you know soul beetles and their estates and so forth have thought okay we can't deny this anymore we have right. to have a better web presence so uh, so yeah it's been been a fascinating uh, fascinating <laughs> you know uh, job to have all these years
2: now is it easier to find websites now or then
1: um i would say that now because you know i i think it's there's there it's kind of reached a plateau mm-hmm. in, in a way because there are so many uh and you know there aren't as many new ones popping up as as much as there were uh, but you know in the like the first like last i don't know certainly in the in the 90s and then through the maybe like to 2010 or so i mean it was just like this i mean it was like you i was just finding sites like crazy on on every kind of topic and uh but of course the downside is too though they disappear you know so i always had to you know put my column as of this writing (laughs) (laughs) this is where you know but and of course you know a lot of them disappear but uh but it was really you know amazing uh for a time that you know they they just were exploding you know particularly what made the difference was when more of these free you know website uh, companies like geo cities right, and all these you, you remember those <laughs> you know when those started popping up i mean the, the sites just exploded i mean yeah. you know and and people started developing their own sites when it became more affordable
3: mm-hmm.
1: i mean sky was the limit mm-hmm. on, on these
2: sites now we can move on but my last question is currently sure. what do you think is the best Beatles related site
1: Oh gosh I love the Beatles Bible I love that site I I mm-hmm. use it a lot um you know I uh I love that it you know I mean it's and it's constantly growing I mean it's uh you know still developing material but I mean for reference everything I mean it's it just you can't beat it um, and uh, And if they do have any errors in there, they usually uh, you know fix them pretty quickly and uh, I just think for for reference and everything it's it's the best out there. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, um, shifting gears a little bit, but it's obviously still about writing, but you know uh, I was doing a little research about you before we started talking. Um, you've written two books, and uh, one of them isn't about the Beatles and one of them is but that, yes. uh so we got Michael Jackson FAQ and then songs we're singing so if you could introduce them and then you know we'll just I'll ask some questions about those
1: sure absolutely well songs we're singing uh, guided tours to the Beatles lesser known tracks is uh the first one which is uh, a collection of Uh, Columns uh, that I've written about uh, Beatles from about, oh, I'd say like 2009, eh, 2008, 2009, uh, until about 2015. Mm -hmm. And uh, many of those cannot be found on the web anymore Mm because the sites, uh, uh, some of the sites that I wrote them for are... uh, are no, lo- no longer exist or, or they've uh, changed hands and, you know, that's the way the, the internet goes. So, uh, mm-hmm. so a lot of them are no longer available online, so you can only find them in the book. Uh, and some of them are uh, columns uh, that I've written that are called, uh, they're part of a series called Deep Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, where I write about songs that I feel are over often overlooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not the big hits. Uh, you know, their B-sides, maybe songs the Beatles never performed live, their album tracks, you know, things like that, uh, that you just don't hear discussed as much. And I think they're just as important as the main hits. And so in this book, I talk about, you know, how they were written, how they were recorded and why they're important, how they fit into the Beatles canon. And and I kind of tie them into, you know, how this was a predecessor to, Hard Day's Night, or, you know, Hey Jude, or, you know, like a bigger hit. Mm-hmm. So that's that book. And then the other book is uh, Michael Jackson, FAQ, All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is not a biography. Uh, it's more his, about his uh, music, his artistry, and it ranges from the Jackson 5 up to his death. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's really, um, you know, Kind of goes all over the place in different chapters. Like for instance, I have a chapter of you know people have debated for years off the wall versus thriller, which is better. So I kind of frame it like that, like okay, round one, you know, and I have it's like you know I go music, you know, like in terms of the arrangements, and then you know round two lyrics. I mean, you know, I do it in in more of a non traditional um, kind of way because I want to spark. Conversation uh, with with fans, uh, talk about how you know uh, his influences uh, musically and even in dance, um, mm-hmm. his uh, legacy in terms of music video. So it's uh, you know I I make big a big point of saying if you're looking for like a straightforward biography, this is not the book for you. <laughs> this is this is really about his his music and his artistry so uh so those are the two books
2: okay Uh, yeah a lot of those faq books i have a few of them i don't have that one but i have like monty python i have morrissey because the previous podcast guests had written morrissey faq and um i have the beatles ones at least two of them i think there's a group one and then a solo one and something there might be a third one you know so i know they're kind of like for lack of a better term, episodic, you know, they don't right. really, you know, they're just like topic, 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 topic. It's not like a continuity per se in most of those. Type of yeah, so I, I mean, it.
1: you could pick this up, like, you know, you could pick it up and go to any topic that interests you and right. and just read that. They're like, yeah, self-contained kind of chapters, exactly.
2: Now, on that, now I'm kind of curious about that, then I should probably pick up the book. Um uh, you said off the wall versus thriller. Uh, do you give your own opinion or do you just present the facts and let the reader choose for themselves?
1: I, you know what? I do that because one of the things I really wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, because as whether you're a Beatles fan, whether you're a Monkeys fan, whether you're, you know, whatever, part of the fun of, of being a fan are those kind of debates. Right. I, I I think. I mean, mm-hmm. those are just fun. Uh, you know, first time I went to a Fest for Beatles fans convention, I just thought, wow, this is a place where you can debate, you know, which version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps is better. <laughs> this is this is like Nirvana. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, is, this is great. And, you know, that's what's fun uh, about being a fan. And so I debated whether to offer my opinion or not, but I then thought in the end, you know what, this book should be a launching point for discussion. Um, now, what I do do in the book is I have what I call ultimate playlists where I thought about, I'm like, okay, if I were introducing Michael Jackson's music to somebody who had never heard it before, you know, what would I do? Like, what mm-hmm. kind of playlist would I give? So I do do that,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but I invite in the introduction, I say, I know that you, dear reader, are going to say, how could you possibly forget, you know, right. X, Y, Z? Good. I want you to do that. You know, use this as a starting point for mm-hmm. discussion with, with fellow fans. You know, yeah. go ahead. And say how could she not possibly how could she possibly, you know, forget this song? And you know, good. I want you to do that. So, so I decided not to um, offer my opinion there because I thought, nah, I want I want readers to use this as a launching point
2: yeah. for discussion. I mean, for me, I will give my opinion. But <laughs> so yeah. um, I've said for years. I think off off the wall in a certain respect is more ambitious project because he wasn't trying to top himself per se, Uh, but it's really hard to ignore Thriller uh, as far as how overhyped it, because I'm a huge McCartney Beatles fan, of course, uh, and I'm a huge Vincent Price fan uh, (laughs) and horror movie fan, so it's like there's a lot to like on Thriller. Uh, For me, it's, you know, and then, you know, covering Michael Jackson's career, uh, the first i had i don't know if you had this experience my first exposure to him was the cutout records in the back of the cereal box and so on the saturday morning cartoon so uh i have a fondness for that early stuff um belatedly i discovered the jacksons not the jackson five per se but the jacksons after they moved to epic and i said you know there's some darn good stuff on there i think uh Uh, Victory is a little overblown, but, you know, that's post-thriller as everything else post-thriller. There's that, like, need to top something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But beyond that, you know, it's like uh, the album that I kind of wish they'd put out separately and kind of re-promoted is the new tracks on History because (laughs) they, they never put that out separately as a new album. They put The Greatest Hits as a separate album, but it's like... Let the album stand on its own. Like, I I think they should reissue it and give it a different name, you know, like to say, you know, the Scream album, History Sessions or something to that. You know, to say, it's the same album, but we're going to promote it on its own because there's some fantastic stuff on that. And I thought that that, in a certain way, was a little bit of a peak for him that, you know, wasn't the same type of peak where everything was hitting number one just automatically just because it's Michael Jackson and it was a new record. Yeah, had to try a little bit harder and there's some controversial stuff on that and knowing absolutely um, but i like that album. anyway so yep, that's my two absolutely.
1: cents no that's great and in fact yeah when we're finished i'll uh you'll have to send me your dress because I'll, I'll hook you up hook you up with my books and you'll oh. really like my michael jackson book because <laughs> <laughs> i t- i talk about some of that stuff um that first of all yeah i agree with you on the jacksons i think that that period is is overlooked and and i do talk about that quite a bit there's some great stuff uh great albums yeah victory was not one of the better ones but uh, <laughs> but 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 before that yeah um triumph was a great album and uh the first album they did um with uh, gamble and huff of uh, philadelphia international producing that's a that's a lost gem uh yeah i mean they they did some great stuff and as far as uh, what you're saying about the history album i agree like stranger in moscow i think that's an incredible song i i love that song um and it, and scream itself. that's a that's a great i mean yeah there's some there's some great songs on that and uh and yeah i think if you i agree with you if you release that as a separate album like yeah. just totally aside from the the history project mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, I agree with you. I think it does stand on its own. Is there some, there's some really great to earth song. That's a, that's a great one. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Love the arrangement on that. So, uh, so yeah. And, and so that, that's the kind of stuff that, that my book talks about and, and, you know, sparks discussions like that. So that that album
2: was the one that became, made me a fan. I was always a fan, but you know, sometimes, and it's just the way Michael Jackson was I have to admit, sometimes you just get on my nerves yeah because, and it wasn't the you know accusations we'll leave it at that you know it was right. more to do with just choices he made in general you know of
3: mm-hmm.
2: dress or yep. you know attitude or you know just things he did in general you know it's like yeah just you're just like rolling your eyes and it's like I, I think one of the the, the unfortunate thing he had to pass away, probably for this to happen, is you can have kind of revisionist thinking because now you can just appreciate the music for what it is, rather right. than look at all the, you know, hypercritical elements of his life. You know, yeah, you know, like he, go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was just going to say, yeah, that's that's really what researching this book enabled me to do. And and the way I I got this, uh, I I was approached to do this, was uh, when he died, uh, Mm -hmm. I wrote uh, an article for the, uh, I was working for a blog, uh, a site called Blog Critics at the time. Mm -hmm. And I wrote an article about him uh, after he passed, you know, an appreciation kind of article. And I talked about how when he debuted the moonwalk on Motown 25 uh, in, in, uh, 83, you know, I said for my generation, particularly, that was like our Beatles on Ed Sullivan moment. I mean, you know, cause I remember like everybody watched that and yeah, the next day, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Everybody watched it. And the next day, my friends and I were, I was in sixth grade, my friends and I were on the playground trying to figure out how we did it. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, I remember that distinctly, and everybody talked about it, mm-hmm. and so like that's as close to the Beatles and Ed solvent as like my generation got. Right, right, and you know, and uh, and I and I, you know, talk about that in the book as well, and um, you know, and I wrote about that, and you know, and I said, you know, talked about how you know he had a massive impact on on cult, you know, our culture for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. musically and in dance and and so forth and so then um robert rodriguez who's the author of the, the the beatles faq books you mentioned um you know contacted me and said hey uh backbeat publishing is looking for uh an faq on michael jackson and i think you should send a proposal uh for it and because uh, he had read that article and so that's you know, long story short, that's that's how it happened, and the only way I agreed to do it was I said I do not want to get into the smear stuff. I'm I I'm not interested. Um, I don't want to get sued. I don't want to. You know I don't want any problems. Mm-hmm. You know because what I'm interested in is you know really looking into his impact on music, on culture, on you know, fashion on all that kind of stuff, um, yeah. you know, because we've heard about the other stuff, you know, out infinitum, let's, yeah. let's talk about the other stuff. And then they said, fine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's how it came about. Yeah. Good. I'm
2: glad they were willing to listen, you know. It's like 10 most scandalous things Michael Jackson did. And it's like, oh, do I have to talk
1: about that? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm not doing it, you know. If, if you're, that's what you're looking for, move on. You know, and, uh, and when I started doing interviews for that book, when it first came out, I made that crystal clear to, yeah. to people when they were interviewing me too. And there were one or two interviewers who tried.
3: Yeah. And I'm of like, course. I'm not yeah. talking
1: about it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm not doing it. And I, know, and I don't know anything. I, mean, yeah. I have nothing to add. I mean, you know, but, uh, and, you know, but I, I, it was really, really, uh, interesting to do that book because it, it did give me even more appreciation for how much, you know, he accomplished. I mean, even like with the Jackson five, I mean, they were really the first, you know, black teen idols that really made it big. I mean, I don't think people appreciate that. Like even that cartoon that you talked about, I mean, I read so many, uh, you know, people have said, like, that that, you know, uh, African-American youth said that meant so much to them to have them represented in cartoon form. That had, like, never happened, you know, and to have them reach that level of superstardom, I mean, almost in their prime and when they were touring, I mean, it was like Beatlemania, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for a while, and so, I mean, they really broke a lot of barriers, and I don't know if that's remembered as much today, and I tried to you know, really point that out in in my book, and, you know, things like that, um, Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I think really need to be remembered.
2: Yeah, and I just always admired Michael's ability to just, you know, he could fall out of favor for a while, and then do something else to bring him back to the top, and um, it was I hate to say it, I should remember all these album numbers. It, it, what was the last album that came out in his lifetime? Invincible? Is that uh, invincible, yeah. yeah. And I used to say when he was getting in trouble and stuff like that, just record another album, it'll fix all of his issues and problems. And finally yep. he put that one out. Uh, I didn't think it was as strong of an album, but at least he finally did go back to the music, you know? And, yep. you know, going back to a Beatles connection, you know, it's, it's the same thing I used to think about Ringo. It's like there were years when he didn't put out anything. Of course, now he's, like, put out so many albums. It's like, yeah. okay, stop already. No, that's <laughs> right. You know, but, it, you know, for years, it's like he didn't put out anything. And, of course, he yeah. had his own demons and everything. And it's like, you know, just get back to the music. Go back on the road, you know. Because, you know, I became a Beatle fan uh, around 77. And so Ringo was already on the downslide. Yeah, um, no, not Paul good was Paul was hot, you know. Um, George was kind of mediocre, you know, not... To, you know, he got bigger again later, I think, with Wilburys and things like that. But, um, yeah. you know, but he wasn't nosediving. He did did his disastrous dark horse tour. And for me, Lennon was just, like, not there, you know. And then when he came back, I was like, ooh, you know, and then unfortunately. Yeah. Anyway.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but, uh, um, you know, it, it was just Ringo. I was always kind of pulled for him because, like, one of the first things he did when I became a fan was, that TV
3: special, which <laughs> I, oh, I, I kind
2: one. of equate yes. to like the uh, the the Star Wars holiday special in like quality <laughs> and quantity or something. And it's why did you do that?
1: One? Uh, yeah, although you know when you watch it now and then you, yeah. you know it's on YouTube, you can watch it now. You know, in a way, when you look at it now, yeah, it's it's bad. You know, it it is. No way around it. But, you know, it's kind of charming when you watch it now, though, because it's like that 70s, you know, variety show kind of thing where, like, you know, these just aren't made anymore. Like, you know, like the guests, like, you know, Art Carney, uh, John Ritter, Angie Dickinson, and like, you know, all these (laughs) different guests. Like, you just, you know. You don't see that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't they don't make them like that anymore. So I mean like, you know, I I co-host um you know video cast talk more talk uh Soul Deals Videocast and we covered that. We went back and covered that show
3: mm-hmm. on
1: an episode. So I went back and you know watched it because I hadn't you know, seen it. Uh, I, I didn't see it when it originally aired. I was a little young for that, but uh, but I went back and watched it. And, you know, and I, as I said, I thought, yeah, you know, this is this is pretty bad. Um, yeah. But uh, but as I said, but it was kind of like a charming bad in, right, in a way because right. you're just like, oh, man, this this takes me back to a time when there were these, like, kind of specials in, yeah. in the 70s. And,
2: yeah, I think that was just the 70s. I mean, if you look at, you know, it's like you could, you could have released Ringo with the title. If you thought James Paul McCartney was bad, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> uh, but they did stuff like that. It's like even Lennon's uh, like appearance on the Sir Lou Grade um, <laughs> in the mid-70s kind of gets in that kind of weird, kitschy-type territory, and it was just... But the seventies were all about, I guess.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's the thing, and and you know that there's just yeah these you know these younger kids today they don't appreciate you know <laughs> what it was like in the seventies. It really, I mean, that's well, and, and even I I went back and revisited that when I was working on that Michael Jackson book. Is the Jackson Five? They did the rounds of those shows. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and some of them were pretty cringy
2: <laughs> and, I, and I, i'll i tell you straight up i am a huge 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 fan of variety shows and oh, they're, they any, any times, yeah anytime they put a compilation out uh like i think the most recent one i got is a uh, five disc set of share her mid-70s nice. show between the two sunny and share shows and it's like some of the guests were like shocking you
3: know
2: <laughs> like they do um I think this is on there, if I remember correctly, and I remember seeing this as a kid, didn't think about it, so, uh, it's Cher, um, who's she singing, with? Tina Turner and Kate Smith doing a Beatles medley.
1: I've seen that, I've seen that online. <laughs> and I was like, There's, oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep, I mean, you just, as I said, you just don't see that anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know you can you couldn't even pay somebody to do that now i mean it's like imagine uh it would be like lady gaga <laughs> um olivia newton john with uh who's an older singer <laughs> yes. tony bennett let's say just a yeah, singer like exactly. you know it's like singing you know uh, songs by the monkeys or something yes. like, they <laughs> <do that. laughs> you know you wouldn't do that you know
1: Like, your brain just explodes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But in the 70s, that was not a problem. And it's like... No!
1: This was totally (laughs) normal. Totally normal stuff.
2: No. So, it's fun to grab those things. And then you say, no, that did never happen. Yeah, it did. That did,
1: and we have proof.
2: Yeah. (laughs) The funny thing about, uh, you know, one more thing about the Ringo special is that... um, I'm sure you've seen enough that you know the story, basically, right? Okay, yeah. So, yep. Uh, the scene where he's supposedly mobbed by fans, Ringo's mobbed by fans. Apparently, they had to like pay people to mob him. <laughs> it was no longer <laughs> Beatlemania, and I said, "How sad," you know, because I was I was about ten years old then, you know, and so you know, I thought these guys still need to be as famous as they were when they were the Beatles, and yeah. it's like when you hear, uh. it's like.
1: He's not. You know. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, there's some outtakes that you can watch on, well, on I don't YouTube. Know if I've
3: seen those.
1: Oh yeah, there's some outtakes, and uh, Ringo was in a not good place back Ooh. back then. I mean, yeah, I mean he he was not in a good mood in oh. some of those takes. Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty cringy, and and so yeah, I mean you could just tell like this was you know he was in his partying drinking days and mm-hmm. and you know you just thought oh boy I think there were some days where he did not want to be there and uh, you know so I mean but but that's you know that was the time you know and thank God then he he got cleaned up in the 80s and then you know then he had Resurgence! Thank goodness.
2: You know, oh, he's around in his eighties, which is amazing to me. He's and he looks out fabulous, yeah.
1: and he looks yeah, and he looks great. <laughs> I mean, he looks fabulous. <laughs> who would have thunk it? Exactly. I saw him in concert. I'm trying to remember if it was like twenty eighteen, something like that. Yeah. The All Star Band. He's doing jumping jacks on stage, and I'm yeah. just like, what? How does this guy do it? I, I don't get it.
2: He, he has a picture of Dorian Gray in his attic. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: that must be it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the other funny thing, the only, th- those outtakes, even though I, I haven't seen them, it just reminds me if you have the extended version of Keith Moon's Two Side of the Moon CD, you know, they have outtakes of Ringo and Keith doing together, or Harry Nielsen's song, and, and they're just ad-libbing in the studio saying silly jokes that are probably worse than going to buy me a dog by the monkeys. And... You can tell it's like they're just like struggling and straining to kind of get through it in a certain respect, you know. Because I'm sure they had they were drinking a few or something else, you know, so, during yeah, the exactly. sessions. I'm sure, you know. Oh
1: man, oh yeah, it, it can be kind of painful to watch.
2: That's for sure. Oh man. So, um, you mentioned monkeys. What what other things are you a fan of musically or not musically? Even?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I, I am a big fan of Solon R&B. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Um, you know, I kind of grew I don't know if it's partially because, you know, I'm born and raised in the Chicago area. And, and you know, that's kind of a big thing here. But um, and, uh, and again, the influence of my father, he is like James Brown's number one fan. And so he <laughs> loves James Brown and I, and I love him too. Um, and so, you know, I grew up, I mean, I watched Soul Train. I, I listened to soul music. I mean, it's, it's just one of my other passions. And in fact, um, I've taught, um, well, it's going to be three, cor- uh, my third course uh, in January. I teach um, online uh, courses for Monmouth University. Um, and uh, in, in uh, New Jersey, and I teach. Uh, thank, thanks to uh, Ken Wall, he creation uh, um, program there. Uh, the their arts uh, introduction to Motown uh, and uh, or history of Motown, I should say. And then this January, I'm going to be teaching. Uh, the music of Stevie Wonder, which is like my like dream come true, um, and uh, and there are three course sessions, and uh, and it's my my passion. I've written about soul extensively. I'm hoping in the future to put out another book. In fact, a with a collection. Have, yeah. <laughs> yep, with a collection of writing about soul that I've done over the years uh, online, and um, you know, I, it's 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 my other passion. Mm-hmm. Um, besides, uh, besides the Beatles, um, so that's one of them. Um, I I like. I'm, I'm not as I don't have as extensive a collection in it, but as I said, jazz. Uh, since I've I've been raised in that, um, you know, so I I listen to that. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty open to all different kinds uh, of music. I've really tried to, um, you know, remain pretty open minded. I mean, you know, I was even. Because I was, you know, time I was born in. I mean, I've even listened to, you know, some hip hop because I, you know, I was, I came of age when hip hop, um, you know, really started entering the mainstream. Now, I like old school, like 80s hip hop. Mm-hmm. I mean, once it got into gangsta, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not really.
2: I'm very <laughs> similar. I'm very similar on that. You know, I, I used to say I can't stand rap, but it really boils down to. I like rap if it makes me laugh. You know, and yeah. a lot of this stuff is a little too hardcore. And it's like, er, you know, but like things like Run DMC or even the Beastie Boys or, yeah. you know, Sugarheel Gang or any of that uh, earlier stuff. You know, there's a sense of humor about it. And I exactly. think for me, at least that that uh, falls in line with my musical tastes, uh, uh, like if the Beatles were kind of drab personalities, I don't know if I would like them as much musically uh yep. but they had a sense of humor it came across of course on things like the christmas albums and some of the movies uh and even b-sides or something like that but uh you know and just the way they quipped in press conferences and things like that so that endeared me to them same thing yeah. with monkeys it's right. been harder for me to be like a fan of say like and i am a fan but not as in the same way as like say fleetwood mac you know i find them personally probably kind of dull you know but some of the music's okay but i mean that's an example it's like you have for me you have to have like you know you know i i'm not a big fan of bruce springsteen for that same type of reason you know i appreciate (laughs) that you (laughs) you know musically he might be good you know it's like hey he has some tunes i actually like but the only song that really piqued my interest and they played around this time of year is his version of santa claus is coming to town because (laughs) There's one chance you get to hear Bruce Springsteen kind of you know, lose it for a second when Santa's going, ho, ho, ho you know, and he yeah. kind of cracks up. And it's like, finally, you know, it's quit creating such a serious drift. You know.
3: <laughs> this
1: is, you know what? I mean, I saw Bruce Springsteen once in, mm. in concert. And and you know, a friend of mine had an, an extra ticket and I thought, you know what? I've heard over and over again, you've got to see him live. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. You know, I'll all right. I'll give it a shot. A shot. You know, and um, and yeah. I mean, I like I like you know some of his songs, but I'm I've just never been like a huge fan. I've just never really, you know, connected to (laughs) him on on a level that you know a lot of his fans have. And so I went to the concert. I'll give him credit. He played like three hours. You know, like Paul McCartney does. (laughs) He played three hours. His band. Uh, and I think Clarence Clemens was still alive when I, when I saw it. The band was awesome. I yeah. mean, the East the e Street Band, no question, they are fantastic. I, I mean, be. yep. I mean, I will give them all the credit in the world. Unfortunately, he decided that night to play all this obscure stuff, no. and now you know, if you're a hardcore <laughs> fan, you're probably you were probably in heaven. You yeah. know but with me i mean he finally got to hungry heart and i was like okay i'm hungry finally now.
3: something you yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> you know something i know you know but it uh yeah i mean i admire him for his passion and and i mean you know he really you know he has passion for what he does and and you know but i've just never really connected to him yeah.
2: you know but but uh
1: good on him <laughs>
2: another one i never really connected and if you're a fan that's okay i'm yep. more of a fan than i used to be but there's other reasons why i became more of fan. It's bob dylan thanks you know i always found him kind of uh dry and he can't sing i I've, I've said comments like this he, he's yep. very he's very similar to yoko ono and people go what and i say <laughs> yeah excellent song composer lousy singer yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i like when other people do his songs yeah. great songwriter yeah. no question
3: yeah
1: great you know <laughs> i i wrote a chapter uh ken womack edited uh, a book uh academic book about uh, the beatles and uh he asked me to write a chapter about how the beatles and Dylan influenced each other yeah. and uh and that actually gave me a lot more appreciation into mm-hmm. bob dylan as a writer and a, and a poet now absolutely i i totally agree with him as i mean he is a, a, just an incredibly skilled songwriter but yeah i just cannot get past his voice i'm really sorry i know pe- as you said people are going to be listening to this mm-hmm. who are dylan diehards, and mm-hmm. i just you know I I cannot get past his voice.
2: (laughs) Now I have a friend of mine, which I'll leave him out of the discussion. But uh, just what he said, he says, "Well, the Beatles love Bob Dylan. You should love Bob Dylan." And my response was, "Well, the Beatles love to smoke. (laughs) I I don't have to like everything the Beatles like just because they like him." So. Exactly. Um, I will say this, and it, it, what sparked the thought was when you said Springsteen and you played everything but something you knew. So <laughs> I finally did see Bob Dylan about two years ago. No, it was, oh, it was really? about five years ago, and I was warned about this and said he doesn't like doing his big hits anymore. So yeah, it's like so he, the only song he did that was remotely known. Fortunately, I had listened to his current albums to kind of familiarize myself with was uh what was the song? Uh Tangled Up in Blue from the mid-70s. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you're looking for like a Rolling Stone or uh, Rainy Day Women or uh you know you know uh all, what are all the ones Mr. Tambourine Man anything you know that's yeah. done all the years When you're the Eskimo you know you you're out of luck you won't but, get anything yeah. from the sixties you know forget <laughs> it. Um Now, I kind of became more of a fan prior to that when they did the Wilburys thing, although I do admit, when the Wilburys got together, I was like, all right, Tom Petty, I'm okay. Jeff Lynn, of course. Yeah. Uh, Roy Everson, yeah, I like him. Yeah, Bob, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, can't we leave him out? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, but, but yeah. no,
3: but
1: but actually, it it worked. It, it worked. And I, yes, I did, I yeah, because if if he had been if it had been just him, yeah. But but but, but since it was all of them together, you know. it, it was okay. Now, you know, what
2: but. actually made me more of a Dylan fan, um, and I don't know if you've seen it, or the 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 documentary that Martin Scorsese did, because it. Kind oh, of I haven't ex- seen that yet. I would recommend it, uh, not to become a fan necessarily, but it helped me to understand the influence of Bob Dylan, kind of like how you were trying to get people to understand the influence of Michael Jackson. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, okay, I get it. And it's interesting because I've heard of things in the past, like, like when Bob Dylan get, went to electric and stuff like that, he was booed right. off the stage. There's actual footage of that. I didn't know that. So it's like they're wow. showing the actual concert where they're booing him. <laughs> it's kind of funny and uh, we uh, i assume you saw the Scorsese documentary about George Harrison so mm-hmm. it's the same level yes. as that so yeah. that's why wow. i gave it a chance so and scorsese also did a good documentary on the rolling stones called shine a light mm-hmm. uh and of course he did the last waltz years ago that has ringo right. in the band you know so yep. you know yep. um yeah, I'll get his Scar- due when he does documentaries, and, uh, but I like most of his straight films, too, that are just you know, regular films. Oh, film <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but yeah, yeah, he does good documentaries, so I highly yeah. recommend the Bob Dylan one, even if you're not a Bob Dylan fan, because, like I said, they explain his influence, uh, they interview colleagues, they have a lot of good footage, um, mm-hmm. you know, they show clips of, like, Woody Guthrie and Joan
1: Baez and associates and things like that. So oh, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely. Yeah, I've I've been meaning to check it out because I've I've seen you know I've seen it on I forget if it's on Netflix or Hulu or you know and I've I've seen it on there and I'm like I really should see this yeah. and I have it in my my list and and yeah because I and as I said when I when I did the research on that chapter that I wrote I thought you know. I, I I have to give him his due, uh, and and you know I mean as as a songwriter he's he's really uh, you know one of a kind, and and he did absolutely have a huge influence on the Beatles, no question about it. I yeah. mean he, he did, and a, and a ton of other
2: musicians. Right, but you know I have to admit though, you know uh, that I never understood the significance so much in the past, like yeah. when I I got the. Uh, concert for Bangladesh album originally before I even saw the film. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that Bob Dylan had made a concert appearance in like five years or something. I didn't know that he was so revered even then, you know, so it's like it, it, so my my mind was the whole album side devoted to Bob Dylan? Why can't we have five more George songs? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Get that guy yeah. off of here. But, you know. <laughs> Get that guy. Uh, <laughs> You know, or at least sing one song. I mean, that was what it was. It was the whole side. It's like, you know, it's like, wow. You know, yeah, I, I, I like deal. Robbie's side better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Even on Robbie's side, there's a sense of humor. That's what, you know, I said, yeah. humor goes a long way. Oh, if you like the tuning, you'll appreciate the music even more. You know, yeah, that I was that so
1: line. funny. And, oh, you know, that was hilarious. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> and you know, I've i do developed an appreciation for him, and it's like you know, in listening to interviews and stuff like that, George even said that about uh, Ravi. and says you know, he had an excellent sense of humor, and it's like you know, you'd never think about it. And then you know, I think he talked about that one time it was, yeah, you know, George himself and uh, Ravi and Peter Sellers. I forgot if it was Disneyland or Walt Disney World, but they were in the teacups, you know, going around <laughs> together. I go. Wow, what a sight that would have been. <laughs> you know, there's an odd combination, you know.
1: So <laughs> No kidding. But but actually that that leads me, you know, talking about Robbie Shankar. You know, that's one of the great things about being a Beatles fan is that you know, they really introduced me, and, and also talking about liking different kinds of music, I mean, they really introduced me to music that I probably never would have listened to if, if uh, you know, and, and there's a perfect example, is you know, Ravi Shankar and, and Indian music in general. I mean, I, I never, I'm not saying, like, I'm, I'm a, you know, a huge, huge fan, like, I don't listen to it all, all the time, but boy, did I learn to appreciate it. And, yeah. and, you know, and it's fascinating uh, yeah. to me. And, you know, so I mean, they introduced me to that, uh, you know, they introduced me to, you know, some of the avant garde, they, you know, introduced me, of course, to, um, you know, a lot of really obscure American R&B artists that, uh, yeah. you know, Arthur Alexander and, and uh, you know, Larry Williams and all that uh, never would have heard of if I hadn't listened to them. And, they're, you know, particularly Arthur Alexander was, you know, was terrific. And so that's another great thing about being a Beatles fan is that, you know, you listen to the Beatles and then you end up discovering all these other great, you know, artists, different kinds of music that, you know, you probably wouldn't have wouldn't have heard. Uh, otherwise. So, uh, so yeah, I, I really, uh, you know, much as I, I love the Beatles, I, I, you know, do love to, you know, try to listen to all different kinds. And I try to listen to, you know, today's music too, because I don't like to, you know, I try not to be, you know, oh, today's music all stinks. And, you know, (laughs) I try not to be, you know, that person. Um, And I'm not saying, I mean, there isn't a ton of today's stuff that I, you know, I'm like that into, but I, I try to keep up. And um, although I, I do listen to like Bruno Mars, because, uh, you know, he's definitely kind of continuing Michael Jackson kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, he's, um, you know, he's great. Um, uh, some of the weekend stuff I, I like, not all of it, but some of it, um, you know, I like some of that. So, I mean, there are some artists out there that um, you know, that I, I like, but, um, you know, so I, I try to,
2: uh, to keep up. It is harder though to keep up, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not crazy. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, it's like, in you know, back in the day, you know, you'd have the top 40 station to play anything and everything. So you'd mm-hmm. get a little smattering of everything. And now it's like, uh, if you want the variety, you don't get it. And so it's a lot of, you know, for lack of better term, you know, just American Idol winners you know (laughs) basically or uh uh, dance pop bands you know that don't play instruments which is really kind of a oddball switch from the way it had been for so long you know that everybody had to play their own instruments and write their own songs and uh, uh, you know doesn't really happen anymore Um, yeah and i don't know if that'll ever change but you know and then i always wonder you know is the music today even good when sometimes you know you know, I I work a regular job, too, and, uh, you know, some of the 20-something-year-olds are playing the radio in the other room, and they're playing the old rock and roll stuff from the 50s, or not the 50s so much, the 60s and 70s, and it's like, don't you like the current stuff? And this old (laughs) stuff is, like, uh, ancient, you know? No, you know, I love this, you know, David Bowie and whatever, you know, that's like, wow, you know, (laughs) because, I mean, we grew up with it. For them, it's like, this is a you know long dead composer as it were like mozart or something you know i hate to say yes. no
1: well like today i i was listening i i downloaded this uh the new album talking about bruno mars uh by uh, silk sonic which is uh, bruno mars and anderson pack and it's this uh sort of 70s um soul band kind of um sort of side project they've they put together and it's a lot of fun it's a, it's a great album called An Evening with Soul Sonic. Bootsy Collins uh, mm. plays on it. Um, and it's very Philadelphia Soul influenced and all. Mm. And at one point, as, as I've been listening to it, I'm like, wait a minute. Are those real drums on there? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and Anderson Pack plays drums. And I'm like, my God, I'm trying to remember the last time I heard a real drum on a, on a pop record you know right. oh is that great <laughs> to hear and yeah i mean it does seem like i mean that is a complaint i have and and maybe that explains why you know your coworkers are listening yeah. to you know sub 60s and 70s stuff and all because they're real instruments yeah. <laughs> and you know and today you tend to hear a lot of it's a lot of computer you yeah. know it's, it's stuff it's pro tools you yeah. know and and i'm sorry there's nothing that replaces real instruments
2: there just isn't mm, you know the way they used to record things Where typically you know especially the further back you go is everybody's in the same room and you try to do it all in one take without too many overdubs and all sorts of things certainly no auto-tune you know, no. <laughs> things like that um exactly and then when current artists do dabble in it it always sounds kind of awkward and weird you know <laughs> it's like you exactly know, you really yeah. need to do it i mean it's like you know you know you you won american idol you can sing right <laughs> you know or whatever you know that's the thing. <laughs>
1: exactly i mean that's that's the thing and and uh you know and uh, american idol and the voice i mean they're fine for entertainment and everything but um you know one thing that that bothers me though is a lot of times the singers that get awarded and, and everything they're the ones that are the vocal acrobatic kind of singers and those are not you know, always the singers that are the most effective. I mean, you know, yes, that's impressive that you've got, you know, that kind of range and everything. But a lot of times, you know, some of the best singers that we've had don't, you know, engage in vocal acrobatics. I mean, I'm sure, I, and I know it's been said before that, you know, some of the singer. I mean, Bob Dylan would have never <laughs> gotten past. I mean, can you imagine if he had auditioned? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, <laughs> well, the
2: times they are next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know,
1: yeah, Neil Young. I mean, Neil Young wouldn't have gotten, oh. you know, and and I think he's. I mean, he's an incredible singer. I mean, and yeah. you know, because the kind of stuff he does his voice is really effective for it. I mean, I think he, he has a lot of emotion and all, but is it technically a great voice? Well, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's that's the thing. Well, and you notice that with few exceptions, I mean, a lot of these singers win, like, particularly the voice, and then you never hear from them again. Right. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, that's that's the thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's... Uh, you know, I I think real talent, you know, is is different. And and I mean, as I said, I'm not saying the people are saying don't have any talent, but I just think it's a different kind of talent. I mean, that's great that you've got this huge range; you can hit the whistle notes and everything. But there's more to it than that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just remind me. Um, years ago, my sister bought me this. Yeah. Um, uh, she she lives in Bakersfield, California, and she bought me this local radio station that did like the typical morning zoo type stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. But it was actually pretty funny. And it, it, this was from a while back, but they had the Mariah Carey dog whistle. And <gasps> <laughs> it had a clip from one of her records where she's really singing out there like two the higher. And then they had all these dogs. Going, or, or, or. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, sort of the Mariah Carey dog whistle today. <laughs> so,
1: but but know. like, you know, someone, okay, talking about the monkeys, I uh, know your favorite. Well, I mean, Mike Nesmith has always been one of my favorite artists because, yeah. I mean, you know, does he have, you know, a tremendous voice like that? No. But he has, I mean, his voice is so effective the, yeah. the way it is. I mean, it's a very you know, it's straightforward, but it can be, you know, very soft when it needs to be. You know, it's got a little bit of that twang when it needs to. And, you know, and of course, he's an incredible songwriter too. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean it's again, it can be emotional, he can be funny. Um and uh you know it has it just uh such a such a, a unique talent. Um and you know you don't really see and, and it and also a bit of a genre crossing kind of artist I mean you know yes country rock and he was kind of a pioneer in that but the stuff he wrote for the monkeys was not always It didn't really sound like that I mean you know really really could, could span all different kind of genres and, and you know you don't see artists like that very often
2: and that's actually why I became a fan of both besides the sense of humor uh, you get it on the head is uh, diversity you know, of sounds, you know, it's like, it's one thing, you know, that that's one thing that people complain about, say, Led Zeppelin. It's like, well, oh, the first two albums were great, but well, the rest was crap. And it's like, no, I like the later stuff because they expanded beyond just doing heavy metal forever. You know, they had yep. some humorous songs, they had some ballads, they had some uh, straight up country, you know, <laughs> you know, all sorts of different, ideas and things and you know it's like yeah you can pigeonhole them as a heavy metal band but you know they're they're similar to beetles they just had long hair and <laughs> but yeah you know, they went all over the map and they, they might have not have gone so contiguous i mean that's one thing i could say about both the beetles and the monkeys it's like their progression seemed like natural forward motion whereas a group like i said led zeppelin kind of went all over the map they're over here yeah. this time and then this album they're over here and this one you know
1: exactly but i still exactly. appreciate all of
2: them because you know the willingness to not sound exactly the same on every single album yep
1: exactly yeah i mean like elvis Costello is another artist that i really admire for that i mean he will go in all different directions oh, yeah. i mean he's recorded you know a country album a classic Cool. Mm. Yeah, so. Did all of the work equally well? No. But he mm. tried it, you know, <laughs> and, and some of them, one of the... Things he tried didn't work, as tried it and, and didn't, you know, record album after album that just sounded the same. I mean, right. you know, you can you can get stuck in your comfort zone, and I don't think you grow as an artist doing that. And of course, the monkeys, I mean, really took a chance when, uh, you know, they did headquarters, mm-hmm. which of course paid off big time. That's a great album, mm-hmm. and and of course, and Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn Jones. I mean, that was even better.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I mean, they took a you know big chance by getting away from, you know, the the first two which were more kind of traditional. Well I mean they were great too, yeah. but but you know, more pop. You know, right. I mean that and, and the good pop. But uh, but you know, finally saying we want to record our own stuff and getting a new producer and all that and but it paid off.
2: Yeah. Well the good thing about those first two albums at least they came out the way they did. You know, some people it's like they had no control. But at least they had the foresight, Kirschner, whoever, to make it like a proper album of songs rather than a TV soundtrack where they would have had little bits of dialogue from the show, you know, kind of more, you know, incidental music than actual rock and roll or pop songs or something like that. So that set the groundwork for Headquarters of Pisces. There wouldn't have been a Headquarters of Pisces if they had done that. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have had much chart action, you know, and probably yep. wouldn't be remembered now, you know, it's like, oh, that was that T V rock group that did something way back when. Yeah, they exactly. certainly be touring now. You know? Yeah, right.
1: That's right. And then of course, I mean, to then do, you know, record head, which was I which I love. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean it's I, it, to, to to go completely, you know, <laughs> to right. an opposite direction. But and you know, and I love that album. I, I saw um uh Peter, Mike and Mickey, uh when when they toured, oh gosh, must have been like was that like twenty thirteen or so when they toured? That was I, the first
2: time I, they got together, yeah. Got yeah, in twenty eighteen I think.
1: Oh. Yeah, it was something like that. And they and they played a lot of the head album, and I was in heaven because mm-hmm. I, I just thought I'd never hear a lot of that stuff live. I mean, you know, do I have to do it all over again and something right. like that? I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe they're playing this live, you know. And and uh, you know, and I mean, that took some courage to do that. Those songs, you know, back in the day, because those were you know pretty trippy, <laughs> you know. I mean, but but you know, but something like the Porpoise song, and you know, I mean, gorgeous. I mean, that's and, and I think people now appreciate those songs a lot mm-hmm. more uh than you know when when they first came out i think now now the movie i've never i admit because i love the series oh uh, but i i, I admit i never been able to get into the movie but um <laughs> but i love I'm the, the opposite soundtrack on
2: that. i'll have to admit i you know, like, like the, i was on one of the um I'll, I'll admit here since you know people watching this may not know is like there's a mutual friend of ours named plastic ep from australia he does re- regular shows with celebrities and commentators like ourselves, usually about the Beatles or the Monkeys or maybe some other things like Bay City Rollers or something like that. But <laughs> in Eddie general, Pat. we're always spouting our two cents worth about everything. Um, he did an episode, and I don't remember if you were on it, but it was uh, so. the top five monkey episodes.
1: No, I wasn't and, on that.
2: Okay. And if you read my books with michael ventrella or heard me talk on this podcast a few times i said that i was not a monkeys fan when i was a kid i thought they were annoying yeah uh, I, I didn't think they were funny and we're talking little kid early 70s three four five age um and i was a cartoon kid so i i you know it was live action it's like who wants to see this uh i developed an appreciation for the music later but it took me a really while, long while to warm up to the, the sitcom and I was one of the few in the group on that particular show, Saying the Five, that all my episodes that I love are on the second season. And I think it's a natural progression from the first season to the second season to the movie Head. Like, uh, uh, Frodo's Taper is just one step. You know, it's like, had they continued the series for a third season rather than doing Head, the third season would have been like Head probably canceled, but, you know, it's like <laughs> it, it, it just was getting that direction where it was going to go progressively weirder because, you know, they were trying to test the limits of how far they could go with it. Obviously, head was a little too far considering how they promoted it and how it kind of ultimately came out. But I love that movie. It was what kind of switched my mind to where I said, OK, I don't just have to like their music. I can like them as actors as well. So I kind of went it backwards on that so now i can appreciate you know then i started appreciating second season ones and then i started appreciating first season ones and so wow. now i kind of like this i like the show for what it is or what it was and stuff like that but, you know. <laughs> yep
1: wow that's it that is really interesting because yeah i i was into them from like yeah the opposite like i you know started first season second season i -hmm. mean this was you know out long after it first aired but Mm -hmm. um and uh you know and then i didn't see head until you know i don't know what i think it was a little while that i Mm -hmm. you know until i saw and then i was just first time i saw i was just like what the hell is this
2: (laughs) And I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but, you know, yeah, but I I, love it. I still like it. And it's probably because to me, it's like the monkeys equivalent of magical mystery tour. I mean, you don't yeah, have to like the point. movie itself, but good it has point. some really good music. In it. The so music is awesome.
3: I
1: yeah. So, I
2: mean, if you can, music. if you want to fast forward through the stranger dull parts, you know, you can and just mm-hmm. watch, watch the, the songs. That's fine.
1: Yeah, um, and probably I should go back and watch. It's been years since I've seen it. You know, maybe, maybe at my you know more mature age, maybe I would appreciate it more.
2: <laughs> I mean, to show you how much I wanted to see it in theater, and I had never seen it in theater, is I was one of the ones. Um, I was still living in Northern California at the time, but still a drive to go to LA. Uh, no, wait, I was living in Oregon at the time. Take that back, I was. So it was a trek to go down to LA, but I did it anyway on the 50th anniversary in 2018 mike and mickey were there and uh andrew sandoval and a few other people celebrities uh supposedly tony basil was there but he didn't stand oh, up oh wow henry diltz was there and he had a little film about showing his photographs that he put together sure and uh Rod, rodney binghamheimer was there uh <laughs> jerry beck was there i was very cool very cool uh Vic Damone's daughter was there.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow.
2: <laughs> anyway, but, uh, yeah, it was a full house at the Egyptian theater. And uh, apparently, uh, Peter and Mickey, excuse me, Peter and Davey did the s- exact same thing for the 40th anniversary at the same theater 10 years before. But I didn't attend that one. But anyway, you know, it was fun seeing it on the big screen with an audience. Very and, of cool. course, everybody was appreciative. I don't know. I guess there were some first-timers, because I think Andrew Sandoval asked, how many of you have never seen this before? And quite a few people raised their hands. Wow. So I don't know what they thought afterwards. Like, get me out of here. <laughs> you <know? laughs>
1: or you went for a treat.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Mickey afterwards, he says, uh, did you like it? You know, can you explain it to me? <laughs>
3: <laughs> you explained it to me. <laughs> so, <anyway. laughs> <laughs> oh that's
1: actually you can
2: see their whole commentary they did film it on youtube so if you look it up oh that.
1: really yeah, oh
2: yeah the 50th anniversary of head egyptian theater la 2018 or something like that i don't know how you search it but yeah it has the whole interview with sandoval and um, mike and mickey so you know, oh
1: cool great. oh that's great
2: um, <laughs> um something else i was going to ask you um uh, <laughs> Well, um, let me ask you this, though, kind of shifting gears a little bit, uh, but uh, you do, it says on your website that you write for a number of different blogs, you still write for all those blogs, you know, it says Blinded by Sound, something else, something new. Blog critics, cinema centuries. Are you writing for all those at the same time?
1: No, uh, <laughs> as, no, I don't. <laughs> I got to update that. Um, no, I don't write for all of them. Um, I, uh, as I said, blog critics. Uh, I do not uh, anymore. Uh, mm. Something else reviews. I do. Um, mm. I, write, uh, I write. I write. I used to write. Um, a column regular column for them uh called deep beetles i now write periodically I, i write for that periodically i had some um uh, family illness that I've been dealing with, so I've I now don't write quite as much for them, but I'm hoping to get back to regular writing for them in the very near future. But I write reviews for them, um, and, and I'll be writing uh, I'll be working on this very soon. In fact, I do a column for them every year where um, I come up with uh, for all the beetle uh, beetle maniacs on your Christmas list. I come up with the mm-hmm. best uh, the best releases of the year um for uh you know for all the uh, all the fans on your christmas list or for yourself let's put it let's let's be real uh for <laughs> you know all the box sets and the dvds and books that came out uh for the year so that'll be coming soon uh so i write for them i write for C- cinema centuries uh periodically uh, reviewing um uh you know dvds and it's usually a uh, music related um you know, documentaries, um, uh, mainly documentaries, uh, fil- you know, other kinds of films. Um, and then, uh, blinded by sound, um, it recently, uh, went down. So, uh, so I don't re- but I did write uh, a soul column for them, uh, deep soul, where I talked about tracks that are, um, lesser, you know, kind of lesser known soul tracks. But as I said, I'm planning in the near future to put together, um, a compilation of the uh, the uh, columns i wrote for them so uh so those should be coming soon so uh so yes i'm planning to do a lot more writing uh very soon for something else reviews so uh, so yeah but uh, but yeah i started um With blog critics, and I was music editor uh, Mm -hmm. for them for a time, one of their music editors, Um, and uh, that's how I got my feet wet in uh, writing online, and uh, Mm because that's, you know, kind of where you know where it's at, as they say these days, is writing. There's so many great music sites out there, Mm -hmm. and uh, great rock journalism happening on on these. Great sites like Ultimate Classic Rock and and so many others. So uh, so that's you know where then I ventured into writing books.
2: Okay. Um, and then you also mentioned, and I think you mentioned on Plastic Show too that you're are you regularly on the Every Little Thing podcast, or just occasionally? What's the story of that?
1: Uh, no, I'm not on that. I'm on. I co-host uh, a video cast, and there's a podcast version of it uh, called Talk More Talk. Oh, that's um, right. Talk yeah, you know, More Talk. I, more got, talk.
3: I got the title wrong. Sorry.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, don't worry about. Well, one of the hosts of, of Every Little Thing is one of the That's hosts. what. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So okay. you're you're close. Okay. Um. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast, and I mm-hmm. uh, co-host it with Ken Michaels. And he is the host of uh, Every Little Thing and many other many other shows. Uh, Tom Hanyadi, who is the uh, co-host of Two Legs, which is a Paul McCartney centric um, podcast, and uh, Joe Mayo, who is a very popular YouTuber um, who hosts his own uh, uh, channel called Mean Mr. Mayo. Get it, <laughs> get it, uh, and uh, and it's the uh, we do this every other Monday. And we first broadcast live on our Facebook page. And then after the live broadcast, we upload it to our YouTube channel. And then the audio-only version is on virtually any podcasting platform of your choice. I mean, you know, Spotify, um, Amazon, you know, whatever, whatever your choice is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we cover mainly solo uh, topics. I mean, we do cover Beatles periodically. I mean, yes, we talked about the Let It Be box set. We are going to talk about the Get Back film. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a no-brainer. But mainly we talk about uh, the Soul Years, like we've talked about Ringo. You talked about Ringo earlier. We've talked about <laughs> his albums. Um, you know, we we uh, do a series that um, we love to do and, and our, our viewers seem to really enjoy called Another Listen. Where we'll take an album like, say, Ringo the Fourth, you know that was critically and commercially panned when it came out, and we'll say, all right, we're going to listen to it, you know, forty some years later. Did it deserve its its initial, you know, reaction, <laughs> or do you think it's gotten better with time? And so, and we invite our viewers, uh, both you know, whether they're watching us live or they're watching the replay to join us and mm. say, what do you think? Mm. You know, and we try to bring in viewer comments uh, during the broadcast. It's a lot of fun. We've been doing it since 2018. And, uh, and we've uh, just, just absolutely had a ball uh, doing this show. And, um, you know, we're going to continue it as long. We, we don't seem to run out of topics, so uh, <laughs> we're going to continue as long as we can.
2: Well, as long as they keep releasing things, it's certainly no end of topics, right there. That's right, Just, uh, uh, exactly.
1: So. Yep, it doesn't uh, doesn't seem to end. <laughs> so,
2: mentioning that, um, you know, our, obviously the uh, Get Back miniseries. Uh, what else are you looking forward to in the next few months that you know about? You know, Beatles. Well, wise.
1: yeah, I mean that's that's the only one I know about for sure. There've been rumors that um, there may be another McCartney box set. Uh, coming out and in the near future I hope so um, what I would love to see would be um, back to the egg the you know wings I, I love back to the egg um, it took me a while um, you know when I first heard it you know many years ago when I first heard it it was another one of those head scratcher kind of albums <laughs> but uh, but I I now love it I'd love to see uh, a One of the you know archive box sets on that, Uh, that's been rumored for a while. So I'm you know hoping hoping that might be one that's coming up soon. Uh, There's been a rumor too that it might be combined with like London Town, which that'd be fun
2: just to finish the Wings years. Exactly.
1: So (laughs) I'm done with that London Town back to the Egg combination. As much as I
2: like the Flaming Pie, it's like. Isn't that kind of recent? You know, that's what yeah, I was exactly. thinking. That. You know, it's like, do the older stuff first. Yeah, that you really
1: know. needs the remastering. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, that, that, yeah, they could really benefit from it. So I'm hoping that the rumors are true, but I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and I doubt that that will be released before the end of the year, way too close to let it be and get back. And, you know, I, I don't think he'd do it that soon. And, and of course, the lyrics book. Hmm.
2: But, but I don't know. If so you have I don't know if you have greater access to beetle-related things just because you're in the know or in the industry or anything like that. But I mean, I could just ask you, and you know, I mean, it's like let's go through each beetle. I guess um, we'll start with Ringo since he put out the most recent thing. Uh, more EPs from him that we know about, or we don't know.
1: I I don't know. Ken Michaels probably has better access than I do, but I wouldn't be surprised if if he comes out either. Well, one of two things, either another EP or there are rumors that he may put out an album next year, but with the tracks that have already come out On the two EPs, that it may come out as a full album.
2: I Hope there's something new with it, though. But yeah, I I would hope so. Just the nine tracks, and that's it. It's like, yeah, exactly. So you know, (laughs) Um, exactly. uh, And then George will go for him next. Uh, Yeah. uh, Where are we with George's estate? I mean, I know uh, Danny's doing a bunch of dark horse things now with Billy Idol and uh, Joe Strummer, but right, right. Anything more with George that we know?
1: Not that I know it because, you know, of course, All Things Was Pass was the big, you know, the big project this year. And uh, let's just say they haven't been the speediest of, right. about coming out. So we might get
2: uh, Bangladesh in five
1: years. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, Bangladesh might be might be a candidate for, okay. for the next one. I'm not sure uh, because, of course, I would, hey, I'd love to have box sets of, I, I love uh, George. Um, you know George Her- the George Harrison album thirty three and a third. I would love to see those two get the get the box treatment, uh, but I don't know.
2: Uh, if, I, you know, I they... would love more of his videos. They've released a few of them.
1: But yeah, like, that would be good George too. Harrison.
2: They didn't put the blow away video on there. And I used to love that one. I mean, oh, that's YouTube, a great you know, one where he's riding the little ducky or whatever. <laughs> you know, a yeah. weird stuff like that. Oh, it was um, fun. Yeah, he had I mean, some fun videos. And I know there's always like this weird thinking about the Dark Horse tour from '74, but it's like
1: yeah, that a, a proper
2: late release, please. So, you know, it's like, yeah, you
1: know, exactly. I mean, um, maybe we can so, get
2: it by 2024. Crossing fingers. I don't yep,
1: know. and then well, then of course there's that. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, what that? Oh, it was a, a uh, an album that came out that was you know some likes and it was Volume One. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember the name of it now. I'm blanking out. And, you know, how many years ago was that? How about yeah. if we get volume two? And that came
2: <laughs> out with Scorsese's thing, too. Yeah.
1: You know, but... Yep. Awesome. That, I'd love a volume two. Where's, where and also, that? that
2: one was like almost like Ringo's EPs. I mean, I think all the tracks together were less than 30 minutes. I was like, yeah. you know, this is on CD. It's volume one. And it's like it's going to yeah. take forever to put this stuff out. So right.
1: yeah, so I'm I don't know if I could say with confidence, oh yeah, we're gonna see something next year. I mean I I think you know the all things must pass thing was so big mm-hmm. that I don't know if you know, but yeah, maybe twenty twenty four. She said something like that.
2: You know, fifty years ago coming up is twenty twenty two. And as everyone knows if you're a big Beatles fan, nineteen seventy two wasn't the biggest year for any of the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, back off Google, it was probably the biggest hit of the year for any of them. Yeah. Know, which Yo, is not saying it's a bad song, track, I mean, but I mean it's yeah, just because track, John and but... Paul, you know, I hate to say, but out like very interesting stuff for lack of a better term, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So, but do you, you think that there would be like a sometime in New York City deluxe edition or something, or is that, that like shove under the carpet because of that word and stuff like that? Yeah, you
1: know? that has been a rumor uh, that sometime in New York could be the next one, okay. um, and uh, yeah, that that has been uh, a persistent rumor. Yeah, I don't know. That's because that's a good question. There are some things on there that are not shall we say politically correct or,
2: or maybe a more positive note maybe a, a proper blu-ray reissue of the whole one-to-one concert and everything from that year you know
3: would
1: that
2: with every, be
3: with everything be including great.
2: yoko's tracks i know people don't want yoko's tracks but i'd like the complete concert you know sure because, i would too you know, and Absolutely. since they finally found it i would love to have like the uh, jerry lewis thon footage and things like that
1: Yeah, you know so I'd be down with any of that. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> no, I'm 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 with you on that. I'm wondering with sometime in New York City. I mean, I would like to see that, you know, for, for completist reasons, yeah. but we actually did a, another listen episode recently oh, on wow. Talk More Talk where yeah, we, we did that out, so. sometime yeah. in New York City. <laughs> and uh, we had some very interesting responses. Um, yeah. you know, it it's still it's amazing how that album all these years later still evokes. Very mixed reactions. I mean yeah. it's it was very, very interesting. So I'm wondering if they think, you know, I wonder if Sean and, and the estate think it would, you know, be a big seller to, yeah. you know, would it be worth the big box treatment? I mean, imagine was a no brainer. I yeah. mean, sure. you know, and and they did a beautiful job on that. I mean, that was well, well done. But uh but I don't know. But that that has been a rumor though that 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 could be next, but
2: I don't know. I wouldn't hold my breath, yeah. but, but who knows? Now, Paul's <laughs> already done a wildlife and a Red Rose Speedway and uh, probably wouldn't go back to it to my knowledge unless, which would be an interesting thing, if he put out a 72 Wings Live album, you know. Yep.
1: That would be cool.
2: Uh, I, so yeah. I don't know, so.
1: Yep, that would be cool. I I would uh you know, I'd be fine with that. I mean that's uh that that would be great. But uh but yeah, things have been kind of quiet lately. Again, I think it's probably because of the whole get back hoopla.
2: I think right. you know they yeah, I just keep thinking of things, you know, and then of course it's going to be uh was the decade here now? This is the seventy no sixtieth anniversary of Please Please Me oh, <laughs> coming up.
1: Yeah, and then of course it's Love a question, We Do
2: and all that. Yeah, like so. There,
1: then there's of course the question of you know will Giles Martin go back and and you know remaster can he? I mean, I guess you know candy. I guess
2: he could put unreleased tracks that then put them out on proper release instead of these weird iTunes you know. Throw out there for a copyright thing. I don't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there's yep a lot of un- unanswered questions here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or we could jump ahead a decade and do you know, 40th anniversary of Tug of War. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 40th anniversary of somewhere in England and <laughs> Stop, stop oh, the Roses.
1: Yeah, really. <laughs> oh my know. God! It goes on and
3: on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. And then one thing I was going to ask you, because, you know, you're always, like I said, I I, I don't know if I said it at the top of the show or before, you know, it's like, we never really get a chance to talk when we're on plastic classic show, because we're usually saying our two cents worth about something, and then we're moving on. And the, I think the last show you and I might have been on was the one with the the, the best Beatle album of all time.
3: Oh, yeah, and yeah. you
2: kind of were saying Revolver in... But you never really gave your reasons. I mean, Revolver is a really good album. I was pushing my album, of course, because I just do that, you know, just to be contrary. You know, but <laughs> I, I actually Revolver is my second favorite album. But I was wanting to have you give your due before we go. It's just kind of, in a nutshell, why is your Revolver your favorite Beatles album? I'd like to hear your, what you were going to say. But you never really
1: had a chance on that. Oh, oh well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Revolver is, that is such a groundbreaking album in, in so many ways. Um, first of all, um, I mean, Tomorrow Never Knows may be my favorite Beatles song, because to this day, it just sounds like nothing else if you've ever heard. Nothing you know and to hear it on big speakers and and you know to hear that incredible sound um the you know the lyrics the the effects i mean it's it's just um you know the looping that was you know they were doing looping years before i mean it's became you know i mean today you know, using sound loops songs you know no big deal, but back when they were doing it, it, it was. Uh, it's it's just um, just a profound piece of work. So you've got that, um, and then you know you've got everything on there from um, you know with "Got to Get You Into My Life." You've got a Motown salute there, right. um, and then you know one of uh, Paul's best ballads with "Here There and Everywhere." Uh, you've got one of uh, George's best in my opinion one of his best compositions i mean not the best one of the best uh tax Man. i mean mm-hmm. that's a that's you know with that you know funky bass line and you know so you have that um you know it, it and and it go and you know, yellow submarine i mean you've got you know ringo gets gets the great song on there it's just an album that um you know really is is a work of art um mm-hmm. And and even, you know, I know that's said about Sergeant Pepper, but I think, you know, Revolver is more timeless, even more timeless than um, Sergeant Pepper and really shows like, okay, now the Beatles are in what I call, you know, Beatles 2.0, where. They are, you know, ex- now they're fully in the studio and, ex- you know, experimenting. I don't mean drugs, but I mean in the studio. Well, they are experimenting that too, that way too, mm-hmm. but but experimenting in sound, they were ex- expanding boundaries of what pop music could be, right. and Revolver to me is just the epitome of that,
2: and I I love it. I will agree, and then, and then I'll add, you know, I definitely agree with this. I would suppose is it's probably the Beatles at their most diplomatic <laughs> uh, because George gets the lead track and yep. Ringo gets a number one hit out of it or sure. number two, depending on which chart you're looking at. But still, you know, it's like, uh, and George gets three tracks on it, which is unheard of before or after, except the White Album, but, uh, you know, White Album's a double album, so that doesn't really count. And they also cut <laughs> a couple of his tracks that could have made the final cut on that one. So, sure, uh, sure it almost seems like, you know, like even on Abbey Road, even though they're trying to be more diplomatic, I think George was kind of like, all right, I'll toss you something, and here comes the sun. But I want to keep all things must pass and all this other stuff for myself. So, you know, he <laughs> was well, done. just these two songs. Know, whereas, these are you numbers. know, at that time in 66, yeah, he was devoting his all. And, you know, his three tracks are, like, really diverse as much as Lennon's three or four or five tracks or however many he has on there, depending on if you're watching the U.S. or listening to the U.S. version or the U.K. version, which I assume you prefer the U.K. version. Yes, I do. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah, as opposed to Rubber Soul, where I prefer the U.S. version.
2: I would prefer the U.S. Rubber Soul, too. You know, sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> Brian yep. Wilson was right. <laughs> yeah, anyway. he was. He
1: was right. Absolutely. But that's a good point about yeah. George Harrison, too, because, like, even, like, I Want to Tell You, I think, is a, yeah. is a great song with that dissonant piano that, you know, as he's singing about trying to find the words to say. I mean, the I I talk about this in my, my book, uh, Songs We Were Singing, that the piano, you know, that sort of, you know, kind of clumsily, you know, gallops along. It's almost like, you know, imitating the words trying to spill out. I mean, really clever, mm-hmm. uh, clever songwriting, clever song, and and really showing, I mean, that George is, is so rapidly growing as, mm-hmm. as a songwriter. I mean, there are just so many, you know, great moments on there. And and, it, and you're right, they're really, uh, on, on Revolver, they're really functioning as a unit. On, on that uh, on that record, for, for sure. And, and you're right that after that, you know, it gets yeah, because, a little... Yeah, uh, because
2: you know, if Ringo's saying on Sgt. Pepper, I learned how to play chess, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if George says, well, I came in to do Within You, Without You, and then I left, you know, it's like, yeah. well, that's not really group effort. I agree. Exactly. And, uh, going back to George on Revolver, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I would say this, and I never thought about this before. Uh, it's almost like George did one each of Paul, John, and his own type of songs, just to kind of... So Taxman would be a Paul-type song saying, look, I can write a commercial hit if Mm -hmm. I want to. I want to tell you it's more like a John-sounding type song, at least. Yep. And then Love You Too is, of course, George totally like this is me you know it's like yeah. you know, and I never and even thought about that before track. until we we're like talking about this stuff, yeah so, so.
1: and that's an incredible track too I actually like that better than within you without you I think love mm-hmm. you Too is a, just an amazing uh, song incredible lyrics uh, mm-hmm. you know I mean just uh, you know I, I just think that's a, a an amazing song and again you just really get these flashes of you know what an incredible songwriter he, he, you know, is becoming, and then would culminate in you know the Abbey Road, where he'd write you know two of the greatest tracks. Uh, and to think that we we were just talking about this um, the other night, I think it was on Talk More Talk that you know on Spotify, I think the still the number one most streamed song, Beatles song, on Spotify is Here Comes the Sun, a George song. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he, he really, so he really grew as a songwriter very quickly.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I don't have anything else at this point, but um, it was great talking with you. But uh, give you one more chance, like I always do at the end of the show, you know, plug anything you like. Plug, plug your books, show, hold them up and everything like that. Uh, okay. or you know websites or uh beetle fan or whatever you want uh, how people can get in contact you and whatever projects you're working on. So absolutely.
1: Okay. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you again, Mark, for inviting me. This was a blast. I loved talking <laughs> about all kinds of music with you. This was great. Um, well, uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my writer page is kiddo tools, keynotes. So you can find me there. Uh, you can also uh, find me on uh, the talk more talk. Uh, Facebook page. Just look under that. You can find us on YouTube as well and on Twitter at uh, talk, More talk one the number one. So you can find me there. The books uh, that um, two of them we've talked about. This is Michael Jackson FAQ. There we go. Michael Jackson FAQ, All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop. So, uh, so there's that one. Uh, this one Beatles' book, Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours of the Beatles' less so known tracks. They can both be found at Amazon. That's, that's the easiest way uh, to get them. So uh, so you can
2: order your copy. And you're listed as an EDD on there. I was going to ask you about that. What does that stand for?
1: Uh, that's Educational Doctorate.
2: Okay, so it's a difference so, in that PhD.
1: Okay. Yep, it's, yep, okay. it's EDD okay. is education. Yep, yeah. okay. absolutely. Okay. Yep, in, in Instructional Technology. Yeah. So, yep. And uh, then the, the latest one I have, this is, uh, man, it keeps wanting to fade. It. There we I go. Guess, yeah. I, I got a, like right there. Yeah, there yeah. We <laughs> go. Um, this is a book that I co-edited with Ken Womack. It came out last March called Fandom and the Beatles, the act you've known for all these years. Um, and it's a book of um, chapters written by different uh, scholars uh, from all, all different, mainly uh, America and, uh, and England. And it looks at fandom from all different generations, from you know, first generation through today, and it looks at um, you know, British tourism. Uh, I write a chapter in here about how technology has impacted fandom, like websites, um, streaming media, that kind of thing. So we really and Mark Lapidos of Professor of of Beatles Fans wrote the introduction. <laughs> so uh, so if you're interested in really looking at how fandom has changed over time and how fandom, you know, how fans have helped kind of maintain the Beatles story, uh, this is the book for you. You can also find this on Amazon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so um so yeah so those are the uh the three books you can check out and uh, and as i said you can also find me at something else reviews uh whenever i put up a new article i put it up on facebook and twitter and so forth so uh just follow me on on both those places and uh and you will know as soon as i put up an article
2: mm-hmm. and any shows any personal appearances in the next few months or no
1: uh Uh, Yes, Uh, and uh, actually the day after Thanksgiving, um which is let me double check the the date november 26th i'm going to be signing books for the first time in two years (laughs) yeah thanks to covid and everything i'm finally you know finally for first time two years i'm going to be signing books at um blue village vinyl which is a record store uh near me uh it's in uh, westmont illinois they're having uh it's record store day of course and the to Black Friday um, and so I'm going to be signing books there um, and <laughs> well I was checking day. my
2: calendar I said yeah this will this will run before that date so yeah it
1: was, well okay excellent yeah. <laughs> um okay so uh good okay <laughs> uh so yes november 26th i'm going to be signing books there uh at one o'clock but there, uh, there are uh they're going to be uh events going on there from like 10 to six i think it is but i'll be there specifically at one o'clock uh signing books so uh, come on down and my books make perfect christmas gifts so uh, <laughs> and i will sign i will sign it you and you get a free matching tote with it so uh so come on down um and the next talk more talk uh will be let me double check the exact date here um it will be monday november 22nd um and at nine o'clock eastern uh, 9 p.m eastern on our facebook page so uh, you can join us then and i think we're planning something special for Uh, get back. You know, we're going to do some extra shows and all that, so I don't know all the details yet, but I'll let you guys know. Um, Again, on the Talk More Talk page, on my page, so I'll let you know. But we'll be having a regular show on the 22nd. And I think that's everything.
2: (laughs) 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 That's a lot. When's the next Beatle fan coming out? <laughs> I,
1: think um,
3: I
2: think
1: it, well, let's see. Well, there's there's an issue out now, and I have my regular column in that. I think I just got um, out about a
2: week ago or so. Yeah,
1: yeah, so. yeah, it came out recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next, uh, let's see, because my due date for my column is November 30th, so uh, so probably <laughs> I better, better write that. Um, and. So, <laughs> The next issue should probably out be out by like mid December, something like that. So, be on the lookout for that.
2: All right, very good. Okay. Well, thank you, Kid O'Toole, for being my special guest today. Thank you, Mark. uh, We can uh, set the time in the future to do it again. Would love it anytime All right. I thank you very much. And again, this is Mark Arnold with another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast. We'll see you next time.
0: I made a mistake on this show. I meant to say Victor Mature's daughter, not Victor Moan's daughter. So if you caught that, uh, you get a no prize. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Kid O'Toole, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 139 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Danny Sillazi of the characters and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2021, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.